Hey, real quick, there's going to be issues with Steph's audio for the first eight minutes. Sorry about that. Very excited. Yeah. About today's podcast. Yeah. Because this. Yeah. Is the first podquisition <gasps> that will take place in the Wetterverse. Ah. <gasps> oh. That's right. Oh. We've got a sponsorship with Super Soaker. Wetter is better. <laughs> dot 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 verse. Yeah, I, I I hope that you as the listener are uh, prepared and ready for this. You've you've done your pre-prep where you were supposed to get in the shower in all of your clothes so that you were suitably wet for the episode. Oh yeah, you've got to be soaked through and then pop out to the shops for some milk. You will get very, very sick. Yeah. But the way we look at it, fuck you. <laughs> That's what we're, we're really into here with Web3 as... I like to call it. Web 3.0, fuck you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, really, that that is the official title for it is fuck you 3.0. I mean, see, I, th- I thought you'd mispronounced it because it's not web 3.0, it's wet 3.0, isn't it? It is wet 3.0, yes. Yeah. Thanks to our kind sponsors at Super Soaker. Weather is better. That was their tagline. Well, yes, it was. Is it still their tagline? I'm going to look it up. Was that was that Galoob? Galoob. I feel like you have to pronounce that like there's there's a specific emphasis. It's wetter is better. Like that's that's how the tagline went, right? It was. Unless it was that one commercial with the drill instructor. Yes. Who would go, Wetter is better! Like that. <laughs> I think the Sega of America marketing team might have gotten involved there. <laughs> Sega of America had quite the commercials back in the 90s. Yeah, they did. One of them had Spud Gun from Bottom in it. He was big and sassy. So that's a fact for you. (laughs) Right, wetter is better. That's their classic slogan. Their current slogan is it's Nerf or nothing, I guess, because it's Nerf Super Soaker. (laughs) I don't like that. I don't like it. What's what's wet about that? Yeah. There are no Nerf projectiles shot out of your water soaker, and it doesn't mention water. This seems like an all-round worse marketing promotion. Yeah. And outside of a few specific products, I do not think that the foam in Nerf is particularly stand-up to water. No. No. I mean, if you get them big enough, what you've got then is a pool noodle. Right, yeah. <laughs> Huh. <laughs> what if pool noodles were made out of actual noodle? That would be useless, wouldn't it, Conrad Zimmerman? <laughs> Discuss. <laughs> well, depends on how long you have it in there, I guess. I suppose so. And how hot the swimming pool is. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, right? If we got noodles the size of pool noodles, right? Uh-huh, and then uh-huh. put yeah. in some like hot metal coils into the swimming pool, right? Right. You could have like g- giant ramen. You could. The chlorine would be a problem, but just put in a couple, like, you know, a couple tablespoons of salt to taste. 
uh, and that'll cover it up. I was going to suggest filling it with just water with no chlorine might have been an option, but I guess we can do that. What? It's a swimming pool, Laura. Don't be so foul. You've got to, <laughs> you've got to keep it disinfected. People are swimming in that. Oh, are they swimming in that while we're making the ramen? <laughs> well, you got to have some meat in there. <laughs> Not to distract from the the pasta conversation here, but I do want to make a correction to myself. It was Laramie that that oh. originally uh, produced the super soaker, not Galoo. Gotcha. Yeah. You see, I hear Laramie, and all I think of is the cigarette, cigarette company brand. in the Simpsons. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's what I think of. Um, Laura, is is any anything different you think of when I say the words Laramie? I mean, I, that's, yeah, my, my brain doesn't go to super soakers. Yeah. I wouldn't be suggesting that children rush out and get the latest Laramie product. Yeah. I mean, well, sometimes, sometimes if I want to, uh, watch the Three Stooges and I, my DVDs across the room, I might shout at a friend, hey, Larry me. Was Larry a stooge? Yes. Does that play? Does that scale? Larry Fine. Larry Fine was actually, yeah, Larry Fine was a stooge and That's born good. very, very close to where you live presently. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh, well, that means I'm practically in the three stooges. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I often feel like a stooge. I don't. I just like saying the word stooge. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, right now you're being a stooge for big super soaker. I am. Ooh. No, sorry. I was. I thought. I, I thought I had a good bridge to three splooges, but I don't. No. So I'm just gonna say the word "come" at this juncture. So, Conrad, what do you think a, a democratic government would actually look like if we had one? Um, pretty frustrating. Yeah. A, a strictly democratic government. Strictly yeah, democratic. Like like a a a completely popular democracy yeah. would probably be a fucking nightmare right. to 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 operate. Yeah. Hard to say anything would actually get done there either. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll stick with the Republican one we've currently got. Well. Because <laughs> <laughs> let's face it, folks. 2022, we're going to do less politics on, on Podquisition, or is it fewer <laughs> politics? Fewer, I believe. I mean, look, at, at the very least, we're going to have less talk of democracy, because this ain't a democracy. This is a podcast where I tell you what's going on, and you got no say in it. It's a video game podcast. Right. You can't outvote that. Right. Video games. It's a dictatorship, because Laura Kate Dale. You see? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. God I came up with that within thirty seconds. That's good. Any yeah. more than that, and then I'd have just yelled it, and you'd have looked at me like I've gone peculiar. So who's played a video game? Craig, Larry, me. Ah, that's the good stuff. S Steph, what video games have you played this week? All right. Um. Have I played video games? Yes, of course you have, Stephanie. Yeah, you've played, you've played some video games. games. Yes, I have played... Um, what should I start with? Uh, right. I played uh, Super Mario 3D Land that came out on the Switch re-release on it. Yeah. With, with, with the Bowser's Fury bundled in, that with one. Bowser's always angry. Oh, my oh, Bowser's, God. Bowser's real Someone upset. Pissed him off. Bowser's having a real, you know, real, real bad time. I would go as far as to say, right? And oh, God forgive me and give me a slap on the wrist, right? He's steamed. He's steamed. Bowser's positively peeved. Yes, yeah, so I am enjoying the game. Yeah. Well enough. Um what what did the original 3D land come out on? Was it, uh, uh, was it, it was a Wii U, Wii U game? Yeah, Wii yeah. U. Um 
I only vaguely remember. I did play it back in the day. I only vaguely remember it. I remember the cat. Yes. So like, I I really like three three D Land as a as a game. I thought it was like a really nice blending of like old and newer Mario. It was a nice yeah. It's nice. My only issue with it is with the perspective. It's yes. I I always find it very hard to judge when I'm jumping on something. So I don't feel confident attacking unless I'm the kitty cat because they've got a swipe attack. I wish I had a little bit more, just a little bit of camera uh, controllability, but like I like the concept and the setup and the level designs. It's a nice game. Yeah. Now, outside of that, it's a very tightly designed game. Yeah. Have you been playing the the original or have you been playing more of the uh, the, the Bowser's Fury side of it? So I've been playing both. Yeah. Um, I, I started by replaying 3D Land, which, mm. like I said, I, I barely remember the original. Um, then again, I don't remember what I had for dinner yesterday. So, yeah. I, oh, it was Fish Fingers. Um, just in case anyone wants to write that down in their Steph Sterling fact book. I've started issuing those as a free giveaway. Mm. Um, yeah, so I started with, with 3D Land, and it's still a lot of fun. Mm. I enjoy it very much. What struck me, though, was when I was playing Bowser's Fury, it's a very different game. It's not just, like, more 3D land. Yeah. It's totally different in terms of level structure and, and even gameplay, yeah. really. It's 100% not just we made more levels and threw it in. Like, it feels to me like a test run of maybe we make this a, Mario, a full Mario game like this. Do people like this direction, question mark? Like, it feels like it's testing the waters on something. Yeah, yeah. So it's got, like, I, I guess, asset-wise... It's, I mean, I don't even know that, that, that it takes anything from 3D Land. It's weird that it's yeah. an add-on, really. It, it is its own game. Yeah, it's a short additional Mario game, but it is a different Mario yeah, game. Because like, for, any, for anyone who's not played them, 3D Land or World or whatever it is, is like very linear level-based um, isolated levels that come one after another, uh, but sort of from an isometric 3D perspective. Yeah, with the kind of... Like, Mario 3-style overworld map kind of thing. Yeah. Very standard. Whereas Bowser's Fury is, like, all of the levels are physically placed in one shared hub world that you can just walk between, and have differing objectives that will load up at different times when you visit them, and you can see the whole level, and they're all very small levels that you have to explore in differing ways every time you revisit them. Yeah, like, it's... You could see everything. It's seamless. Yeah. The levels are joined together and the level, like you'll get a, a text that tells you you're in a new level and the music will change. Yeah. When you go through like archways to get to them. But even then you don't have to go through the archways. You can just approach these levels from any direction. And once you go into a level area, like it's not even, you can't even call it a level. It's like an area of the map. That has a name. It's a series of structures plopped somewhere in the world that has a name, yeah. Yeah, and they manage to theme them so they do feel like their own thing when you're in them. Yeah. And then, similar to like a Mario 64 or something, there are different objectives in each area mm. that will earn you a, I think they're called shiny stars. Yeah, something. cat shines, I think. Shines, yeah, these little cat star things. Um, there are multiple ones to collect, very much like the stars in 64 or the um, 
the moon things in Mario yeah, Odyssey. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then you collect a whole bunch of those to turn on lighthouses. To scare away big upset Bowser. Scare away a giant oily Bowser who's big and oily and wants to put fire everywhere. That's one thing. Like, I like that game a lot. I, uh, I like the level structure, even though I felt a little overwhelmed by it at first, just because I was not expecting it. But it's very good. The music's great, actually. Oh, yeah. I like revisiting the, the different areas uh, that get different objectives as things go along. Uh, that's very good. My only major complaint is the frequent boss fights against Big Angry Bowser. Mm. I don't like them. Um, basically what happens is you get really big. You get big Bowser size. You become Goku. Yeah, Super Saiyan cat thing. Super Saiyan cat Mario, who is a kaiju. Yeah. For a bit. And then you have a kaiju battle. The main issue I have is, not only is it just fairly repetitive, the camera does a terrible job. It moves really slowly and Bowser moves kind of fast. So keeping him in shot is really difficult, I've found. And I find that frustrating. I might be wrong. I haven't played it in several months. I think there's a settings option to increase the camera speed. I might be wrong. That might help. That might help. Yeah. Um, but it, it's not even the speed. It's It's got a hard limit on how much it can rotate around you when you're a big kaiju. So it, it, it trying to steer it to keep Bowser in shot is it, it's frustrating. I enjoyed the big kaiju battles. But I will, you know, I will agree with you that the camera is clearly not designed for functioning so zoomed out mm -hmm. to fit this character in. And I don't think it does a terrible job, but it definitely doesn't control as immediately well as it does at the small scale. And the boss fights haven't necessarily been balanced to account for that. Yeah, I still find those fights fun, and I like the sort of the tension and how they're ramped up, but... Yeah, they're, they're not amazing. They're, they're, they're all right. Mm -hmm. But other than that, uh, I, I, I'm enjoying it a lot. Yeah. Um, it's nice. Uh, it's one of those games that if you have a Switch OLED, you can trick yourself into thinking you didn't waste your money. <laughs> uh, very temporarily, because you can say, oh, it looks very pretty on that. I mean, the OLED screen real nice for big, bright, colourful games. It is. It is. Yeah. Um, you know, you'll soon wonder what the hell you've been doing with your life. Um, but... For a blessed few moments, you can be like, oh, uh, OLED. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that's that's Mario 3D Land. and ba I keep wanting to call it Bowser's Inside Fury. So there was a game called Bowser's Inside Story. It was one of those Superstar Saga games. Yeah. I'm assuming that's where your brain's yeah. gotten it from. Um, from what I remember of that game, it was very cute. Um, but yeah. because this is another game that starts with Bowser's, my brain thinks Bowser's inside Fury, and then I just yeah. think he's going to cr crap himself. <laughs> oh no, poor Bowser. I've had inside Fury before. I don't yeah. recommend it. Usually because of Salmonella. I don't wonder if I've ever had Salmonella poisoning. Do you think I have, Laura? I mean, <laughs> most people I think at some point probably have. Who can say? Yeah, what about you, Conrad? You played anything this uh, this week? Uh, so I started playing a game that I saw on Game Pass called uh, The Pedestrian. Okay. This is pretty neat, I think. It's a very, I don't want to say a very basic platform. It certainly presents itself as one. It 
in the vein of stick figure simple. Uh, you control a animated, gendered character, male, female, like one would find on a, a restroom door mm. to indicate. And you choose at the start which one you want to do. So, um, And at the start of the game, you're, you're moving around pieces of paper that have little drawings on them that are the platforms and your character. And as you pass through doors at the exits of one, you'll move to another. Um, and then this graduates to, okay, now you can – you get a menu and you can move these tiles around and connect the doors – and then they add ladders, and then there's more platforming, and they add platforms that you can drop through. They add keys with corresponding doors that you need to get the key to the door somehow to get out. And once you have set and used a door, it must remain fixed. Mm. If that's disrupted, it resets the puzzle and you have to start again. There are bouncy things, and it just keeps layering on more and more elements. One very enticing one that has come up briefly, but I haven't seen them really execute significantly on, is a point at which now you're I'm overlaying tiles to have a foreground and background thing. And that's just blowing my mind at the potential possibilities of that down the road. And so while all this is going on, you're moving between these sheets, you're actually moving through a larger world, um, a city environment, and you're going through various aspects of it. Uh, I've gone through a subway system and utilized a subway to get to another part of town because I'm moving into control panels and connecting things and turning things on. And there's just more and more and more being introduced in a very gradual but exciting pace as you think about all of the ways that down the road this can be leveraged. Now, that said, I'm about an hour into the game, and I don't think it's especially long, but it does make me wonder if I'm going to be disappointed looking back on how, oh, they never really did go back to this, right? Here's what I can tell you about this game's length. Um, I am aware of this game because I saw a, a, a speedrun of it a little mm. while ago. Speedruns of that game are about 10 minutes long. Yeah, I can see that. Which to me suggests this ain't going to be a terribly long no. video game like yeah. total. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's pretty inventive and fun, and it's got some really good music. Um, I like it. It's neat. Uh, it's on Game Pass now. Uh, I'm sure it's other places. Uh, but yeah, The Pedestrian, it, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've had my eye on it, and I, now that I know it's on Game Pass, I will probably give it a go. I've seen it around a few times, and... It seems, from what I can tell, it looks like it does a better job of executing on something I've always liked in theory, but very little in practice, which is games that try to do the positioning comic panels in such a way that it le lets you move between them kind of effect. Yeah. Yeah, I like the way this looks. It looks like the kind of thing I wouldn't have a great time playing myself, but I like the concept. Yeah. I am I I'm I'm curious to give it a look and you know I like a good short game. Me too. I like the idea of being able to play a little a like good idea and just yep, I'm done. Cool. Mm -hmm. Uh right, what have I played this week? I've got to get my list of things I've played. Oh, Steph, I played that small games collection number 1. Right, right. I I replayed the Good Time Garden while absolutely 
fucking drunk out of my skull. Um, I did a birthday stream. It's my birthday this past week. No yeah. big deal. Um, happy, happy yes, birthday. happy birthday. Thank you. So many people said I don't look a day over 25 and I choose to believe them. <laughs> it was the best present I could have gotten. It's the joys of HRT. It'll just wind back the years a bit. It fucking helps. It fucking helps. Yeah. i tell you that much. I'm a porcelain skin bitch, I'm told. Thanks, mate. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, what do you reckon? I'm really happy I picked this up in that I don't think this the, the games in this collection are perfect, but I had a really interesting afternoon with them that definitely felt worth my time. Yeah. So g- games that are in there, we talked about them a little bit this week, and I'll, I'll very briefly give my thoughts. Uh, Swallow the Sea, which is that one about eating things bigger than you over and over the game. Mechanically, nothing, nothing new. But I did like it narratively and it's sort of narrative framing. Yeah. I think uh, the, the best way I can describe it is I like the use of using the asset of what you looked like at certain sizes for things that are not you, for giving a sense of progression from sort of prey to predator. Yeah. And I thought that that was like a nice bit of wordless narrative that I think is done better than a lot of games that try and do this mechanic. Ghostein, which is that game about uh, escaping the concentration camp, I very much agree with you. I like the tone, the visual, I like the concept, but that game is slow and it has checkpoints very far away from each other. Yeah, it just it gets old real fast. The thing is, I think if I had never had a game over like far away from a checkpoint i think i'd have probably enjoyed this but this is the only one i didn't complete because the mechanics are not complicated and the slow journey like if you're facing like a we talked about this before you stick posters up on a wall to tell a kid where to go if you knew the solution to a puzzle and messed up just because you didn't press a button fast enough and then have three minutes of very slowly moving across very similar looking environments to get back to where you were instantly i wanted to put it down uh, which is a real shame. Um, I think better checkpointing would have kept me with that one through to its end. Uh, a game about literally doing your taxes, not for the faint of heart with some of the stuff it does, mm-hmm. but like I liked it mechanically. It was a very, it had a very clear idea of what it wanted to be, yeah. and it told its story quickly and effectively. It felt one of the most focused. Yeah, it was a good length for the simplicity of of its mechanics, and yeah, it's it's. Got some memorable <laughs> stuff. It had enough uh, narrative changes to keep its simple mechanic going. And the story it told didn't waste any time getting to... It, it, it paced itself very well. Uranus sure is a thing. Well, thank you. <laughs> oh, uh, I, I like to compliment. Yeah, Neon Sphere Competitive Snake took me a while to get my head around. It's very poorly explained in its own mechanics. You're on a sphere, and you're doing snake against another another thing flying around the same sphere. Except very counterintuitively, what you're trying to do is have your character die, but not because they touched the other snake's tail, but because you avoided their tail for long enough that you exploded and you're trying to die the most times to win. It seems like a game that someone felt very, very artistic for making, but it is not an approachable game, and I don't think the unnecessary complexity and convoluted nature of its rule set 
makes it a better experience. It's easily the weakest thing in this collection. And the Good Time Garden is hilarious and wonderful and terrifying <laughs> in the best fucking video game. It is one of one of the finest little indie games I've played in a long, long time. I will say there are very few moments I have ever had as satisfying in a video game as having um, a character who was just a, an ass with legs trying to mock my character, following them round, going, I can see your butthole, I can see your butthole. <laughs> and I'm just walking towards this giant flesh head, like, oh yeah, you mock me all you like, you're going in the flesh face. Gonna get eaten, mate. Yeah. He smells like ham. Yeah, come on, keep telling me I smell like ham, you're going in the flesh face. That's fucking brilliant. It's quite an experience. Mm-hmm. Two heads, one vagina. I mean... Gaming doesn't get better, it's peaked. Two heads, one vagina, birth out a boob. Birth, yeah, give birth to a little boob. Feed, feed, it, feed it to your flesh mother. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking... Yeah, that game is something else, and I... I really... I, I would play a full length, like, a full-on uh, Good Time Garden game. It's one of the few games I've played that tries for that sort of... Oh, isn't this so surrealist and weird, where it works and it doesn't feel too forced yeah you get some games that are weird for the sake of weird and it just doesn't work because it looks like it's trying too hard these are people that like clearly just think like that they're not trying to think like that they genuinely have natural thoughts in their head that says what if you slapped a boob out the ground and it was two heads with one vagina (laughs) that's just a natural it just feels natural in that game not forced i know yeah uh, what about you, Steph? What you played? Ooh. I played a game called uh, Connection Rehaunted. Yeah. I'm not sure. There's a game called Connection Haunted. Um, I think it's the same thing. I don't think it's a sequel. But it's a short horror game that's very interesting uh, in terms of what it's trying to do. Basically, it takes the form of an old retro FPS, like a Counter-Strike or something, Hmm. and then weird shit happens. Uh, You spawn into this lobby, uh, and it's just you, and it's a capture-the-flag kind of game. That's what each of the levels um, take the form of, a capture-the-flag game. You spawn in, you run to the flag, pick it up, bring it to your base. As you do that, weirder shit happens. Some enemies spawn, but they're, like, creepy. And just sort of run towards you, doing nothing, um, unless they touch you, and then you take, like, if you stay touched for too long, then you get booted out of the server. The sound design's really, it's harsh, but in a way that adds to it. Like, just a lot of digitized, screechy sound effects and stuff. What's interesting about it is you can just collect all five flags and go through whatever that is. There'll be a chat box at the side, which will um, have text come up as it claims someone is spawning into the game as well and just telling you to, you know, insulting you and telling you to stop. But as well as just capturing the flags, there are other things you can learn to do to change how it goes, which I didn't get at first. At first, I captured all five flags, then was just attacked by a monster that the moment it touched me, it said you've been booted from the server and then... You've got no other option but to play it again. And I thought, oh, is that it? I knew it was a short game, so I was like, oh, is that the whole thing? But then I picked up the like in the chat uh, this thing that was like, 
it says something like kill three knife and then what i worked out that there was this weird little boy or like puppet or something with just a little twitchy head that was giggling and it would spawn three times in the map and you find it and stab it with the knife and it disappears and once i did that then text that was came up that said come find me and there was a little blip on the map i went to it and it was another player um sort of this very basic sorry very basic character model that said that i proved myself and i had to do it one more time and it was going to weaken the demon and then that thing that spawned after you get the flags was coming at me again but it was way slower and i could actually shoot it and then it unlocked a different server so it was a different map um i've gotten to the third of like five maps uh I, i'm trying to work out how to not get booted from the third one at the moment it says something about finding a password so i've got to do that it's very interesting it is an interesting horror game it it's like those creepypastas like the sonic.exe kind of thing it looks like it's taken inspiration from that but it's a it's less cringy than those stories i'm happy with it having picked it up on the eShop for 199 i'll say that it's one of those games that's very reduced at the moment. So it was worth checking out for that. I don't know if I'd fully recommend it, but Connection Rehaunted is, it's a very interesting idea for a horror game in that it is meant to be, a, you're meant to play, you're playing a video game. That's the concept. And it just sort of plays around with that idea. Yeah. It's not the first game to have done something like that. I mean, someone made a playable Sonic.exe, but... <laughs> Yeah, I, I I've been suitably charmed by it for one ninety nine. Yeah. Uh, what about you, comrade? You been playing anything else? Uh, the other thing I played uh, was uh, Elegia, which uh, I think it's been on Switch for a while, and it just also hit Game Pass, and it's uh, another platformer. This is a uh, a decidedly low resolution sprite platformer. That has some really, really just gorgeous art. It, it, the backgrounds uh, and some of the the creature things are very reminiscent of Out of This World, mm. but it's it's really pretty cool. The central gimmick around it revolves uh, around a a harpoon that you get, which uh, when you stick it to things, you can warp to its location. Otherwise, uh, it just comes back to you. And deals damage, uh, you know, through anything it flies through when that happens. So that's pretty neat. Uh, it's a good mechanic. It's leveraged pretty well. It takes a little while of introduction and run it before you get that item. And there's some other sub-weapons that you get. There's a, a rapier that I have so far and, a, like, a ranged repeater crossbow that's uh, I don't use much but is there. Uh, there's a built-in combo system where chaining strikes together will end in a particularly large damaging strike. The combat feels very satisfying and quick. There's a, a lot, not a lot of elements to it, but just enough to make chaining them together feel really satisfying when you execute on them well. And there's a story being told about you're a, a shipwrecked captain... Uh, trying to reassemble your crew and uh, save your community back home. And it, there's a lot going on. It's very moody. It, it 
it's neat. I, I think it, it's something that I, I will probably keep playing because it has a lot going on and it does feel really good to play. Uh, it does have a little bit of, okay, well, where do I go now going on in it? The map is separated into zones that you travel to by ship and then these zones you can explore in a, kind of a Metroidvania sort of approach finding things and unlocking new areas and having to do a little backtracking sometimes to get to something. It's generally pretty good about you know, signposting where you need to go, but I've gotten hitched up a few times because I'm bad at that sort of thing uh, if it's not really clearly signposted. Mm. But on the whole, I'm, I'm having a really good time with it, and I think it's it's pretty well made. Yeah. Olegia. Yeah, it looks nice. Yeah. I keep wanting to read it as Ouija. But they wouldn't be allowed because of Hasbro. That's right. Mm. So I, I played a, a couple of things I can rattle through quick, because I was trying to find stuff on Switch that would uh, get get some of my cravings for certain games in handheld form. Uh, so I tried playing a couple of like train-related games that weren't particularly great. Um, I will rattle through them very quickly. Uh, Mini Trains. It's sort of a puzzle game about putting down train tracks um, to collect stars in a certain order. Not a particularly uh, inspired idea, not terribly well made. Um, you can go inside the train compartment while the puzzle's going, but you can't see anything while in there, so you can't see if you're solving the puzzle right or anything outside, so it's not particularly great. Uh, tracks Toy Box Edition. There's no actual video game in there. Put down wooden bits of track with kind of poor controls and not great visibility out of the train. Neither of them's great. I, for a couple of quid each, I gave them a go. Neither of them was quite what I was after. One that I played that was a little more promising uh, is I played Flight Simulator on Switch. So not Microsoft Flight Simulator, a different game just called Flight Simulator. Hmm. Yeah, so this Flight Simulator game, very, very much simplified compared to something like Microsoft Flight Sim. What I will say for it is it wants to be something like... um. It wants to be Euro Truck Simulator in that sort of take a job, this is how much you'll get paid, use that money to reinvest in the company kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Except it's so basic. There's no penalties for anything. It's just you, you do the job, you get the money. Here is the eight planes that are unlockable. Buy one of them if you like. I kind of like that the game is as simple as it is controls-wise. Uh, you are basically just uh, speed up and down use your sticks for flying the plane, um, do you have your landing gear out or not, are you at the right altitude, and it'll also point you toward that, and it'll give you a little path down to your landing. I kind of wish that Microsoft Flight Sim had as just pick up and play a mode as that, because like even at the most simplified Microsoft Flight Sim, you have to be very consciously thinking about a lot of actual simulator things, and like sometimes I'm in that mood, sometimes I just want to have a plane go around. The biggest problem I have with this, and I had some fun with it despite this, but your your journeys are in no way distinct. I could be flying from from Cairo to London, uh, you know, Frankfurt to Paris. Every journey once you are out of the airport is the same generic, I guess that's land below you. There is nothing that makes it feel like you're actually taking a specific journey that is in any way distinct. Which sucks, because, you know, at the very least have little fake 
you know, cities or something that you can fly over or, you know, differentiate the, the weather patterns or something. Nah. It's, it's, every journey is basically only differentiated by its airports at either end. Yeah, it's fine. It's scratching the itch of I want to play flight simulators in a ha on a handheld, but it's... I've been spoiled by Microsoft Flight Sim and its ridiculous level of quality that I, no one should ever expect, but now I've come to expect it. I'm like, no, nah, give, give, give me the good stuff. Mm-hmm. That's some things I played that I've rattled through quick. Uh, what about you, Steph? Did you play anything else? Mostly just more Aliens Fire Team outside of the rest. I'm basically Twitch's only Aliens Fire Team elite streamer now. Yeah? Like, I'm professional. It's all I've been doing. It's really easy to stream. It's just so easy to stream. I could stand there and shoot aliens all day long. Yeah. Especially in that game. And especially with the class that has the smart gun, which is, it's just the press fire to win class. Because it's a fucking smart gun. But I'm such a pro streamer that even with the other classes, if there's another demolisher class on the stream and I'm playing something else, I still get all the best kills because I have played that game more than anyone on earth should have ever played it. I genuinely think you are the world's biggest Aliens Fireteam Elite streamer. Right. In that I've just had a look at the game and I've gone, okay, how, ma how many people are streaming this? Um... There's like 10 people total in the world streaming this right now, with the, the highest number of views being one person who broke above 10 views. Right. I am literally the number one top-ranked Aliens Fireteam Elite streamer. You you are the, the most watched Fireteam Elite streamer out there, I think. I'm back on top. Who says I've peaked? <laughs> back on top. Number one top-ranked. I have not been number one top-ranked since I streamed Battleborn that time. <laughs> I am a professional I did have to stop it when I was leathered on Saturday because it was messing with my KD ratio. Oh, yeah, you can't be messing with your KD ratio, can you? I thought to myself, like, I was completely plastered and I thought to myself, I'm going to look so good because I am going <laughs> to still be really good at it. It wasn't. I mean, it, 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 this was the point of the night where I was putting toxic waste sour candy into a measuring jug full of wine. Oh, no. That was no time to play Aliens... Uh, fire team elite it was a good time to play the good time garden though so we did that <laughs> fucking brilliant and then i ordered a sandwich nice seafood sandwich i love seafood sandwich from where i get it from it's really good yeah that's what i did uh comrade have you played anything else this week no i think that's pretty much it for me uh, the, the only other thing I played a bit of is I played a bit of uh, Mario Party Superstars, uh, which is a collection of some of the old maps and minigames from old Mario Parties. That game could really do with explaining to you the unique intricacies of its individual boards, because each of them's from a different Mario Party where there were different concessions about what the standards for the series were. And when it's like, oh, is this your first time playing this board? Would you like some information? It doesn't tell you very basic things about like, okay, this is from Mario Party 1 where this was the case. It's very hard to go in a first time on this one and and in any way understand what you're supposed to be doing because every board has completely different fundamental rules of how the game functions. There's a level that's on a big cake and that's pretty fun. I like, I like the big cake level. I like big cakes. I like cake. There's a, there's a bunch of mini games in there I'm nostalgic for, but it's a, not a well put together package in terms of actually communicating to you how these 
how these bits of this series history work so that when you boot a map up you know what rules you're following here. <laughs> also the character roster's really limited because they clearly tried to not make any characters playable characters if they appear as an NPC in any of the levels or the minigames, which when they're pulling from so many minigames and uh, across so many games, it's really limited their character pool, which kind of sucks. Oh. Right, I think that's everything we've played. Yeah. Yeah. I've been having a bit of a chronic pain flare-up, dear listeners, so I'm going to bow out now. I wanted to just make sure that you got uh, just a little bit of, of me, because Mommy loves you. Aww. Very, very much. The Aww. sacrifices I make for my children. Um, so I'm going to leave, which will be interesting, because I'm smiling at the moment. And if I leave before the video game news, I might still smile. Hey. Imagine that. You found the fucking cheat codes. Someone someone asked, um, did you not, because we didn't do news last week. We, we did the, the yeah. we, you know, talking about the coming year. Someone said, did you avoid doing the um, news last week so you didn't have to leave the year on a complete fucking low? I mean... Basically, Helped. yes. Yes, that's it correct. Helped, that's yeah. what happened. We wanted to end the year on a nice, you know, nice week off for us. A nice, just, nice yeah, little... just a nice treat. Just, just a nice yeah. little video game podcast about video games. Well, Steph, you go have a nice rest. Yeah. Uh, me and Conrad will get angry about some news for a bit. Okay. Right. So let's start on a news story that is uh, a little. It happened a little while ago. We missed it by like a day, and then we didn't do news the following week. Let's talk about Treyarch. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, so the headline uh, here is Women of Treyarch say inclusive working environment is our highest priority. The women of Call of Duty developer Treyarch have released a statement saying a safe, diverse, inclusive working environment is our highest priority. In a statement that was released on the Treyarch Twitter account earlier in the week, so just before Christmas. We'll read some of this on the, the this statement that was on the official uh, company Twitter. Our goal as a studio is to make awesome games for the world to enjoy. Having the privilege to pursue that endeavour is made possible because of Treyarch's people. We are a studio comprised of smart, talented, world-class creative professionals who seek to perform at our best. Our culture has no room for sexism, harassment, racism, bigotry, discrimination or bullying. As we move forward, providing a safe, diverse, inclusive working environment so that all may thrive will be our highest priority. How you how you feeling about this, Conrad? Um, sure, fine. D show me, you know. Yeah, yeah. And to its credit, the statement is you know supported by the women of Treyarch and uh yeah. you know they i i hope that they are able to engage in the process um i hope that that things are uh going to improve yeah what i would share as my response to this is a better abk's response because i think they're probably in the best place to respond and I, th I i like what they've said is uh we'd like to thank Treyarch for stepping up and beginning to have this conversation Admitting that things haven't been perfect is hard, but it's even harder to take a stance against it. We look forward to making a better ABK with you. And I think they put it well there. It's like, yep. cool, good for stepping up and owning up to there being a problem. We look forward to you doing something about it. Yep. Because, like, this statement, I'm glad it exists. It doesn't mean much without actual change to back it up. Yep. 
So yeah, that was something. Oh, Riot Games! Riot Games are in the, uh, in the fucking news again. This has been a long time coming. Riot Games agrees to pay a hundred million dollars in settlement of class action gender discrimination lawsuit. God, how many years ago was this? This was... This was 2018. 2018, yes. I mean, late 2018, but yeah. So it's been uh, a little over three years. A little over three years. And and the, they agreed to the settlement, uh, or they agreed to a settlement in, in 2019, but then that got blocked. Yeah. Because they said they deserved more money, and so now there's a new settlement uh, between the California Division of Labor Standards and individual claimants. and Yeah. Uh, the, the short version seems to be that uh, 80 million of that is going to members of the class action lawsuit and 20 million dollars of it are going towards legal fees because of course they are. But yeah, this has been an ongoing story for a very long time and I'm glad that this settlement exists for those people who were affected who were part of this class action lawsuit. <sighs> Everything we've heard in the years since seems like fundamentally Riot Games' studio culture hasn't really changed since. Which, you know, again, you've got to get to a point where you're not going to have to do more settlements in the future. Settlement, cool, whatever. Fix it so you don't. this doesn't happen again to other people. Yeah. And now, as part of this settlement, Riot Games is going to be monitored by a third party yeah. uh, for three years. So, uh, you know, Maybe three years is long enough to implement uh, enough practice that people stick to. And they have, uh, as part of the settlement, it is not just the money side, they have agreed to certain workplace policy reforms. Mm -hmm. We'll see whether these happen in practice, but they've they've uh, agreed to greater transparency around pay scales, uh, not relying on prior salary history to set uh, what someone's salary should be requiring the presence of a woman or member of an underrepresented minority on employment selection panels. Steps that should never have had to be written down, but I'm glad they exist. Absolutely, and uh, it's it's good that this isn't getting swept under the rug for just $10 million out the door. Yeah. You know, setting aside the increase in the award, just having some in writing agreed to changes uh, is not nothing. Yeah. And the thing that I think is probably most important is uh, you mentioned uh, third-party oversight. Specifically, there's going to be a third-party com uh, company overseeing human resource complaints, pay equity across the board. Well, they're, I mean, they're empowered to make recommendations to the judge that could be enforced um, if they're still failing to improve practices. So yeah. there are legal repercussions for not pursuing this as, as stringently as the state would have them, a state agency. There is at least like, hey, we're going to make sure that like people who complain to HR aren't just swept under the rug and that people are being paid fairly across the board. We hope. And yeah, that's that's at least in theory what they're supposed to be doing. And I, I feel more confident it'll happen with third party oversight than if it didn't have any oversight. So yeah, that's some progress being made on that story at least. 
Oh, we, we can talk about this. Uh, Steph's not here, but this was the topic of the Jimquisition this week. Mm. Square Enix is really, 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 really committing to doing NFT and blockchain stuff and really wants you to know how this is the future of games and you're a, you're a fucking idiot if you don't, you know, get on board with it. Is really not that far from their own wording. It was super condescending. Like, yeah. Um, and just kind of horrifying. I mean, I like. there's a part of me that really likes this letter because it does sort of help put their mindset into perspective. Yeah, it's, it's mask off. Right. They do not understand why the modding community even exists. And why should they? Because they've done everything in their power to squash it. Yeah. Yeah, Square Enix president Yosuke Masuda uh, published a letter in which he expressed his hope that NFTs and blockchain technology would become a major trend in gaming. Blah blah blah, he spams a bunch of uh, nonsense buzzwords, uh, talks about the potential of enabling self-sustaining game growth, which, uh, look, you read between the lines, it's, we want you to make the games you're playing, and also we can make money perpetually off you, please. A lot of the stuff in this letter is incredibly patronizing to people who just want to buy and then play a video game. And a lot of it is like really trying to downplay the negatives about NFTs and people's concerns about them. Lots of like, uh, le let me read some, some examples. However, we do observe examples here and there of overheated trading in NFT-based digital goods with somewhat speculative overtones, regardless of the observed value of the content provided. That is quite some fucking downplaying, friend. I think that um, my favourite, like, my absolute favourite portion of the letter... I bet I know what one it's going to be. It's the expression, um, play to contribute. Yes, and specifically, it's, like, really, really snarky comparison to play to have fun. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I realise that some people who play to have fun, and who currently form the majority of players... I love that they have to acknowledge that. They have to acknowledge that this some people that they're talking about is actually most of their customers. Yeah, you know, most of you who currently, you know, play to have fun, have voiced their reservations towards these new trends, and understandably so... <laughs> Um, like, well, if you understand that most of your consumers are worried about this, don't do it. Uh, yeah, a, a lot of the argument seems to be NFTs will encourage people to make user-generated content and that people won't make user-generated content unless they get rewarded with an NFT for doing it. Yeah. Because no game has ever had an unpaid modding or user-generated content community in the past. And it's it's phrased in a really uh, interesting way that implies that things could be so much better if only, you know, people who are only held back by the fact that they're not getting paid to do this could, you know, then do that. Yeah. And it's misleading in the sense that it creates this idea that, well, if people who are talented and have been held back the, by the financial incentive do this, they will be successful and everything will be better for everyone, which is fun fundamentally untrue. Yeah. And and it's it's horrifying. They have really written – I mean, they've crafted a piece of art here. Yeah. 
the thing about this that really struck me when I take it as a whole, rather than just laughing at specific sentences that are terrible and terrifying, is Square Enix is attempting to do the same thing that Ubisoft did in terms of justifying NFTs through claiming that they are necessary for something they're not necessary for, but they've just sort of changed which element of video games they claim it's important for. Ubisoft with their Ubisoft quartz were like, it's the only possible way to allow people to sell their digital goods to other players, despite fucking Team Fortress 2 hats economy existing. Here it is, uh, user-generated content. User-generated content can't exist and can't thrive without NFTs, and it's like, History has argued no, that's not the case. It is interesting to note that both of these are essentially the same argument, which is there has been no way for people to extract value yeah. from these activities previously. Because, you know, much in the same, you know, you can, you can do sales of Steam variety, but that's in their ecosystem. Yeah. You know, they'd have to keep it locked into an ecosystem they are saying there's not been a way for use end users to extract value while ignoring and you know or quietly ignoring the fact that this is actually just a means for them to extract more extract labor and value from the consumer you know what i'm waiting for though and like i quietly hope will be the place where they accidentally shoot themselves on in the foot over this is the argument they've been making to governments around the world about why loot boxes should not be regulated for years is it's not gambling because you cannot extract a monetary value back out of your video game. Oh, they'll have to be very careful. Yeah, they're going to have to be very careful and it's only going to take one company to accidentally step over that line to create a very clear justification for no, you can get money back out of your video game and you have randomized elements in there that might be worth real world money. Oops, you fucked up. I love the hope that you still have for this industry in that you chose to use the word accidentally in that sentence. <laughs> Look, the, the, when I say accidentally, I suggest that in the sense of they won't realize, oh, fuck, we shouldn't have done it. They will deliberately do the thing without... Yeah. Be remembering the consequence. <sighs> I'm hoping for someone to forget that they're not supposed to do a thing. They will hope everyone else has forgotten where the line is. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Uh, we got more news about Ken Levine, who hasn't released a game in many years. So he's been working on a new game for about eight years now. Bloomberg has reported that after nearly eight years of development, the next project from Bioshock creator Ken Levine is in development hell. I, who's surprised? I mean, this is well known. Levine has a long history of being uh, difficult to work for. Yeah. I mean, very documented. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he, he reached a point where people stopped saying no to him, and now he, he, the, the result of that is occurring. This result is based on interviews with several former colleagues at uh, the studio that he set up. They discuss Levine's flawed management style, which has led to vast amounts of work being scrapped and staff left with nothing to show for years of their lives, which is depressing. The game still lacks a title or a release date and has gone through several reboots, apparently. Here's a quote from one of the staff. 
The ideas and ambitions were great, but the scope just grew and grew without concern for the team's ability to get it done by our fall 2017 deadline. Oof. Yeah. Ken wanted to make a AAA game with a budget team size. It was never going to happen. Others have criticised his perfectionism, his ego. He can become moody and lash out, singling out individual staff while berating them in front of their co-workers. Nothing's changed. Yeah. Half of those who joined the studio when it started have quit. Levine declined to comment on the report. I well, I can't say that's that's not surprising. Yeah, no, this is, that's not surprising. Yeah, this is a this is a repeat basically of uh, of what we've seen from Levine in the past. At some point, Two K will say, "Okay." Where's our game? Yeah, finish it or stop. And that that seems to be the trend. And the question then becomes whether or not what they put out is still quality enough to for them to justify putting everybody through this again. <laughs> and giving Ken Levine more money. Yeah. Gosh. Levine is one of those people that I'm amazed can get the money given to him by a big company. The games the games are huge hits. Yeah. They're huge hits. Yeah, I'm surprised that there is no like you will have to deliver something by this date you will not get extension. Like there's a oh, I don't know. I yeah, it's not how I would choose to operate a business for sure. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Just here is unlimited time to just sort of maybe make something. <laughs> We'll end on something that's not not so uh, so doom and gloom and grim. Sony apparently hasn't given up on VR being a big thing that they're going to try and do. That's nice, I guess. Yeah. I honestly didn't know whether they would stick with it. I didn't... I couldn't get a sense for how big a thing it had been for Sony or not, but... Uh, uh, they're, they're working on a, on a new VR headset and the specs sound pretty nice. Don't, don't know whether they'll be... An audience that will pick up PlayStation VR a second time? I feel like that audience has to be smaller than the first time round. I don't feel like VR, like console VR's audience is growing. Uh, it, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, obviously Meta, because I, I guess I'll, I guess we yeah. just have to give in now. But Meta's going to continue along this path yeah. and continue to push. And as long as they continue to push for it, there continues to be hope for a market at large. And if you're the only console option in the game, uh, there's still possible benefit. There is still, I think, a value in we are the high-end option that doesn't require a high-end PC. Sure. Because I think that is, like, yeah, we are the best quality option for the lowest thing powering it. So, like, a, a little skim over what they're doing with the next PSVR. They're going up to uh, a 4K uh, resolution in, in the headset. Bigger field of view. Nice OLED display. Basically, it seems to be positioning as being very top of the line in terms of what's being offered visually swapping away from needing a camera to do your position tracking to the sort of setup that the Oculus Quest does, which works really nicely. I'm kind of glad that that's becoming uh, more of a standard. It's going to do things like eye tracking and have rumble in the headset and a bunch of other, like, very expensive sounding unnecessary options. There's a lot of things that you, you didn't need to put in this headset that are going 
to be there, and I suspect this is going to be very premium. But yeah, par- apparently they're making more VR, and but I'm I'm a sucker for VR. I'll I'll probably buy one, but it's I I don't know why I I felt like they were done with VR. Yeah. I mean, probably because I can't remember the last time they released a VR game for PlayStation. I can't remember the last time they committed to non-console hardware. Yeah. hey Yeah. I, I, okay, actually, I can tell you when I, why I thought PlayStation VR was dead. It's when, in order to plug your existing PlayStation VR into a PS5, you had to fill in its serial number on a website to Sony Ooh. to wait six weeks to get an adapter. Ooh. Yeah, they did not make it easy for the original PlayStation VR to move up to the next generation. And I was like, this either means they're dropping VR or they are completely doing something big and new and they don't want you going, why can't I use my old one? Wow. Yeah. So, like, you can use the old one, but it is not intuitive. Well, is that is that going to do it, do you think? Are we good? Yeah. Yeah? Did we do a show? I think we did a show. Laura, you do other things. Oh, I do. Where can people find those things? Oh, you can find them at Laura K. Buzz all over the internet, wherever you happen to go looking. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon, that's the one that pays the bills. I can. I now sometimes Twitch stream as a little happy ditto when I don't feel like being up on, on camera, a little shiny ditto. Come check out a happy little blob doing a stream. Main thing I'm doing at the moment is um I've got a, a novel I've been writing with my wife Jane. It's called Who Hunts the Whale. Do you enjoy having a bit of a laugh, but also being anti-capitalist and video games? You will probably enjoy this. Go check out Who Hunts the Whale on Unbound. We are real close to hitting our funding goal. Go do it a support. Conrad, uh, you you do projects. Uh, well, what tell us about those? I do. Well, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, at Conrad Zimmerman, you can hang out with me on Twitch three, four days a week at twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman. Uh, I make anti-capitalist propaganda that you can purchase at pinfultruth.com and audiobooks at conradreads.com. And, uh, I do some other stuff that you can check out. I, I did a, dr- well, not very dramatic reading of that Square Enix letter. Uh, over on my Patreon, <laughs> so you can check that out and possibly support everything else I do online. That's patreon.com slash fistshark. And you know who else has a Patreon? Who? James Stephanie Sterling. That's patreon.com slash gymquisition. You can also pick oh. up cool gymquisition merch at thegymporium.com. Yeah. And, uh... Make sure to go check out the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Jim Sterling, where I believe there's a new Squirty play. So... I believe so. I believe it went up while we were recording this. I think it probably did. So go check that out. And I think that's everything, right? I think so. Well, Well, bye, everybody. We'll head off. Bye.